on Enmeshed, we discuss crimes and situations that may be disturbing for some audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Enmeshed, the show that reveals some of the most poisonous people come disguised as family. Welcome to a special episode of Enmeshed Unsolved, a podcast that explores family relationships and crime. I'm Amanda. And I'm Pam. And today we have a special guest with us to discuss the unsolved murder of race car driver Chris Trickle in 1997. Welcome, Quentin Haley. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, Quentin? Hey guys, I'm Quentin Haley. I go by Q. I race dirt modifieds here in the North Carolina region and I race at Racing Rays on Wednesdays. Yes, we are recording at Race and Rays today, so if you hear any noise in the background, it's the racers. So let's set the stage. Chris Trickle was an up-and-comer in the world of racing. He was born on May 30th, 1972 to Chuck and Barbara Trickle and was the nephew of NASCAR Cup Series driver Dick Trickle. Chris had been racing since he was a kid and was gaining national attention during the NASCAR Winter Heat Series. All of our research shows that he was a very well-liked guy and respected racer. He raced American stock cars and was a competitor in the NASCAR Featherlight Southwest Tour until he was senselessly murdered in Las Vegas in a drive-by shooting on February 9, 1997, around 9 p.m. Chris and his girlfriend at that time, Jennifer Robinson, were returning to their apartment when he received a call from his friend Greg Hadges. Greg was looking for a night tennis partner, and Chris agreed to meet him at the lighted tennis court. After dropping off Jennifer and changing his clothes, he was back on the highway to meet Greg. Only 10 minutes later, a car drove alongside him and fired shots into his Chrysler convertible car. Chris was shot between the eyes as if he were looking at the gun on a freeway overpass near Interstate 15, just south of the Las Vegas Strip. The car crashed into a highway sign. Evidently, police searched for a possible witness who stopped a city bus to get help, but I don't believe he was ever found and never came forward after a public plea. So yes, it's unclear if they ever questioned this witness or not. He was described as a white man, 30 to 35 years old, six feet tall with blonde shoulder-length hair or a ponytail. This guy hailed a citizen area transit bus and requested assistance. A trauma surgeon, Dr. Sandy Clancy from California, was on the bus with her husband, as well as a volunteer fireman and an emergency technician. Dr. Clancy quickly stabilized Chris and cleared his breathing passage. The doctor said the bus driver did not want to stop and was somewhat uncooperative. Reports say the bus driver did stop the bus and called police, but then wanted to continue her route. Dr. Clancy later ripped apart the bus driver in LasVegasSun.com, but the Citizens Area Transit responded that she was doing her job as instructed. That seems kind of strange. That's Vegas, baby. The doctor's husband, Michael Clancy, who was an attorney in Sacramento, 
said that the blonde, mysterious man handed him a flashlight, which he and the doctor used to administer care to Chris. He described the man as clean-shaven and articulate. He said the man left the scene on foot before police arrived, like when he heard the sirens, he walked off. Sounds weird, right? Maybe it was Superman. Michael said he kept telling the cops about the man, but they did not pursue him at that time as they thought it was a car accident. Michael said the man did not appear agitated or suspicious. The only thing that struck him as unusual was the man's reaction when he and his wife tried to comfort Chris. He smiled and said, quote, Yeah, yeah, give him the soft touch, unquote. Adding there was a voyeuristic quality to the man's remark. Total creepo. Chris actually survived the initial shooting and was brought to the hospital, I assume by ambulance, after being found in his Chrysler convertible. His condition was serious as fragments of the bullets shifted and lodged in his brain. A neurosurgeon put him in a medically induced coma. As time slowly went on, he had undergone six or so brain surgeries and was eventually sent to a rehabilitation hospital. His parents and super supportive family members said he was opening his eyes and had movement in his arms and legs. They had hope. Chris got to go back home with additional rehabilitation under his loving family's care. They took him to see the movie Titanic countless times and even went out to dinner in a van specially customized for Chris. Barbara, his mom, recalled, quote, He was very strong still, and that's what kept him alive for so long. We knew we weren't going to have him back the way he was. We knew that, but we had something. We had him at home, comfortable, unquote. Sadly, Chris, who was only 25, died from complications of his wounds on March 25, 1998, which was 409 days after the shooting. His lungs aspirated and he went into cardiac arrest in the emergency room at Sunrise Hospital. Jennifer and his parents clearly had difficulty with his death at the hospital. They believed he had more fight in him and more could have been done to save him. His funeral was held at Palm Mortuary with about 500 mourners, many in NASCAR jackets. They all applauded and sent Chris out as a winner. I think at the end of the day, racers respect each other. Now, here's where it gets tricky. At the time of the shooting, Nevada law limited murder prosecution to one year and one day. Chris died from his wounds at 409 days after the shooting, thus occurred after the prosecution time limit. Total bullshit. Right. How do you put a time limit on a murder prosecution? Well, in 1999, Chris's parents pushed state legislation to appeal the law in Nevada. They were successful. Unfortunately, the law only applies to murders committed after March 1999, which was two years too late for their son. The governor of Nevada passed the law, called the Chris Trickle Bill, which removed the time limit on prosecution for murder charges. The bill allows murder and manslaughter charges to be filed against the assailant, no matter when the victim dies. So to explain it a little clearer, the year and a day that dates back to times when a victim had to die within the time period for murder or manslaughter charges to be filed was demolished. It was said that doctors, 
could not pinpoint the cause of death if a patient lingered longer than that period. But as medical science improved and physicians can say with near certainty that something such as a bullet wound caused the death, even though it occurred more than a year and a day earlier. Again, if Chris's murderer is caught, they will not be prosecuted. That's bananas, especially since Chris's murderer was quote-unquote grandfathered in. I wonder if this person could be prosecuted on another charge, like maybe attempted murder? Anyways, there were no known witnesses to Chris's murder, just the crime scene as we said before. Investigators had very little to go on in the way of evidence or even a motive. Police surmised that it may have been a thrill kill by someone who just wanted to see what it was like to take the life of another human being. Police considered the possibility it could be a gang initiation. The theory of a road rage incident also came up. The not knowing doesn't really make a difference. It won't bring Chris back, but still, what an injustice. Even though Chris's murder was featured twice on America's Most Wanted, the case remains cold. His family offered $35,000 for information that would lead to the arrest to no avail. Let's take a quick break, and when we come back, we will give Chris his fair due. Are you planning an event with audio and visual needs but are not sure where to start? Waves Entertainment can help. Waves Entertainment is your premier full-service management company with high-quality custom solutions for any size event. Whether you are planning a large festival or concert, a corporate meeting or wedding, Waves Entertainment will power your event to excellence. Our team of industry professionals work closely with your vision to ensure your audience hears every word, sees every detail, and remembers the experience. Our goal is to ensure your event is customized to fit your needs and provide professional-grade equipment to amplify your message. From live stage production and talent booking to vendor coordination, event staffing, and more, Waves Entertainment is your one-stop shop for the perfect event. Visit our website, wavesentertainment.com, or give us a call at 704-662-2435. That's 704-662-2435. Waves Entertainment, powering your event to excellence. Chris began racing motorcycles when he was 8 years old. He had won two track championships by the time he was 15. He would then burst onto the National Touring Series, driving late model stock cars. He turned to stock cars in 1990. He would be the 1992 Rookie of the Year in late models at the 3 8 mile track at Las Vegas Speedway Park. He finished 3rd in the season points with 3 wins in 18 events. He had 10 wins, 14 poles, and 12 top 10 finishes in 23 events, and finished second in the 1993 Southern California Sportsman Series. In 1994, Trickle had 8 wins, 20 poles, and 18 top 10 finishes in 29 races in his late model stock car. By 1995, he competed at two levels. He had 16 wins and 24 poles in 32 races. He also competed in 13 races in the NASCAR AutoZone Elite Division Southwest Series, and he had one pole and one top 10 finish. In 1996, he competed exclusively in the Southwest Series, winning one race and finishing the top 10 nine times. 
He also attempted to qualify for the Craftsman Truck Series events at Phoenix International Raceway and Las Vegas Motor Speedway. Driving the number 70 car, Chris gained national attention while appearing on the NASCAR Winter Heat Series on TNN and ESPN2. He would race local short tracks, the NASCAR AutoZone Elite Division, Southwest Series, and NASCAR Grand National Division. Chris Trickle was scheduled to join the NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series in 1997. Sounds like he was a talented racer. After Chris's tragic death, his father Chuck returned to racing and became the 2003 Super Late Model Champion at the Bullring at Las Vegas Motor Speedway, but no longer actively races today. Chuck's brother's two sons, Tommy and another Chris, who is named in his memory, are also racers and compete at the Bullring in Las Vegas. Chris was succeeded in the Star Nursery team's Southwest Tour car by the one and only Kurt Busch, who won the 1999 Southwest Tour Championship with the team. Kurt and Chris had never met, but they shared family friends and knew of each other. I believe there were some hard feelings during Kurt's rise and maybe some insensitive remarks on Kurt's part, but that's for another podcast. I can only imagine. Interestingly, Chris was also the father of twins JoLynn, Hope, and Cole Trickle, born to Tanya and Marshall Mealy. JoLynn and Cole were born on April 23, 2001. Their birth was the product of in vitro fertilization three years after Chris's death. Wait, what? That's amazing. Here's how Cole Trickle speaks of the father he never met. Quote, I'm very grateful to have a dad that made a difference and made people happy and means a lot to so many people. After he was shot, one of his doctors had suggested to my grandparents that they save his sperm in case he lived and wanted to have kids one day. I never had a chance to meet him, and I was born three years after he died, unquote. Cole's grandparents discussed having a grandchild, and two close family friends decided to carry the future child and raise it. Little did they know, they would have twins. So when the couple later got divorced, Cole's sister, JoLynn, ended up moving from Las Vegas to live with her stepdad. Cole went on to say, quote, it's emotional because there is no one I can go to and relate to with it necessarily that I have the same story I can connect with, unquote. Well, that's kind of sad. I know. Cole is still hopeful that someday he'll know who is responsible for taking his father's life. Quote, I hope they know their actions really affected so many people in a way they can't imagine. I hope they know they need to come forward at some point and take responsibility for that. Unquote. Cole's family is very close and supportive of him. He says he's not interested in racing as much anymore as he is in politics. Okay, Cole Trickle is the name of Tom Cruise's character in Days of Thunder, right? Yes, the family surname was borrowed for Tom Cruise's character. Cool. You know, it was filmed just a few minutes from where we are right now. The old barn is still standing there, and actually, when we first moved here... It was just a big field of nothing close to uh, Charlotte, North Carolina, Race City, USA, Mooresville. And I was selling real estate in this neighborhood they were building there. And that was my only selling point was, hey, this is where Days of Thunder was filmed. I promise there's going to be a grocery store and a YMCA and all of that here soon. Anyway, 20 years later, it's, it's as busy as can be. But it's still cool that that's still standing there. 
I think there is a grocery store and a YMCA over there now. <laughs> There's definitely that and a lot more. And a barn as well. A famous barn. The annual Chris Trickle Classic at the Bullring Las Vegas Motor Speedway takes place in June each year around Father's Day. People really liked Chris. It's just a shame. Chris's uncle and short track legend, Dick Trickle, committed suicide in 2013 at the age of 71 due to immense and chronic chest pain he had been suffering for years. He did leave a note. Evidently, doctors, and we are talking about doctors from prestigious Duke, couldn't find the source of his pain. Dick called 911 himself and said that there would be a dead body before inflicting a single gunshot wound lying next to his pickup truck in the same cemetery where his granddaughter was buried in Boger City, North Carolina. She had been hit and killed by a car in front of her high school. Oh, jeez. Well, we'll wrap it up by saying this is just a plain and simple injustice to what we assume is a random, possibly gang-related or road rage murder of Chris Churchill, who had such a bright future and who many people loved so dearly. If you have information about this crime, please call Crime Stoppers of Nevada at 702-385-5555. Thanks for joining us today, Quentin, with your racing expertise. And good luck on your race tonight. I hear that you're lucky number 13. Yep. To honor Jason Leffler, that's the number I chose. I love it. That was my number uh, back in school when I was playing basketball. So, best friends. Thanks, Quentin. Thank you. And that's a wrap. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Enmeshed Unsolved. This will be our last episode of Enmeshed Unsolved, and in a few short weeks, your girls Amanda and Pam will be back with Season 2 of Enmeshed, so stay tuned. Mm-hmm.